Hello and good day, beautiful podcast family. I hope that wherever you are on this planet, you're doing amazing, and I'm sending you my prayers as always, wishing you all the best. We have an exceptional episode of the show for you today. We have Sherry Fernandez on, and we are talking about life mastery, personal progression toward an infinite potential. This is an excellent episode. We we discuss a lot of very important things on our life path. We talk about finding your why, your personal mission statement, uh, your personal constitution, creating a big dreams list, navigating fear, where people draw strength, healing yourself through meditation, the best way to change the world, the physical and spiritual link, the infinite potential we all have, and so much more. This is a phenomenal episode, and I know you're going to enjoy it. If you do, please share it far and wide. Consider leaving a review on iTunes, and consider becoming a member at mattbelair.com, which is essentially a patron. You're going to get some bonuses over there. You'll also get access to the Soul Compass course, which is designed to help you know, find, and live your life purpose in a clear, concise, uh, and easy manner that you can do very quickly. You'll get that and some bonuses and you can do it. Uh, you can join for free or by donation if you want to support the show. If you guys want to work with me one-on-one and you want to get very dialed in on your life purpose, on your life path, overcome limitations and get very clear on potentially creating a life business uh, that you're inspired to do, making sure that your life is balanced in all the right places, creating and leaving a legacy. If that sounds interesting to you, hit me up mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. I'd love to hear from you and work with you. Um, the best way to support this show as always is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world and let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive into the show wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and let it out slowly filling every cell muscle and fiber of your being with joy peace contentment power faith courage and get ready to enjoy this excellent episode with sherry fernandez Hello and welcome to the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. For over a decade, today's guest has been mentoring clients in the principles of life mastery and is now the author of the USA Today bestseller, Life Mastery, Personal Progression Toward an Infinite Potential. In Life Mastery, she tells her rags-to-riches story and explains the principles and tools she used for her own success. Welcome to the show, Sherry Sterling Fernandez. Thanks, Matt. Glad to be here. Looking forward to this this all day, so it's going to be fun. Yeah, well, I enjoyed um, looking at your bio and I enjoyed our little pre-talk that we had, so I'm sure it's going to be a great show. And I think that the title of the book is brilliant. Um, I think life mastery as a topic is always exciting to explore. And why don't we just begin by letting the audience who is unfamiliar with you and your work, uh, give them a little background on who you are. And you know, uh, Napoleon Hill said, uh, you should always be able to ask somebody, how do you know? So I'm going to start with that. Well, how do I know what I know? And uh, when I was, I'm 67 now, when I was 25-ish, a little bit before, I found myself, my husband and one child, totally just, we were so destitute. We had partied away our time up to that point. You know, it was the 70s and sex, drugs and rock and roll and all that stuff. (laughs) And now we wanted a life. We wanted some, and I had no self-discipline. We had no money. We were working so hard and still just not even making it. But I uh, decided I, I wanted things, you know, I wanted to be able to, I didn't want to live on uh, that, live like that all my life. I wanted that financial freedom. I wanted to be able to have children and still have a really great body like all women do. 
I, I want the education that I missed, not formally necessarily, but I wanted to learn the things I missed. I wanted to have a deeper spiritual life. I just wanted everything, like not everything like, you know, yachts and airplanes, but I wanted everything that was really valuable and good relationships. I had not wanted to be married, but I had this child. And so I got married and I said, I want to have a marriage. I wanted the best marriage possible. So I went to town just trying to figure out how to do that and reading and listening to everything I could. My husband was not the same. And the principles that I teach are the things that I've learned over four decades. I began to practice them and then I began to teach them. And all of the, I've surpassed all the dreams that I had. I thought I'd be so happy what I would, would have settled for then. I have far exceeded in all those areas. I have everything and more that I dreamed of back there when I was 25 because of the principles that I learned, practiced, and now that I teach. I love it. Well, that's a beautiful summary. And now I want you to tell me step-by-step step how to do it because it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I could do that. Yeah. I'm not going to do it, do it in yeah. half an hour, but I could do that. Yeah. Um, well, it sounds like we had a, a, a similar um, path anyway, where I was much a hippie and then, you know, the snowboard towns and things like that and traveled along. And some people don't go through that stage. They kind of go into the stage of finding security first. And I think it's very similar, you know, like if yeah. you're finding security, but you're not really looking at, you know, what's most important to you and what your passions are and how you're designing your life. And that's where I feel like life mastery has this beginning is understanding who you are and what's most important to you, you know, like, you know, having a family and all the values on the yacht is great, but if you're focusing on the yacht first and then missing all the other valuable tools, which right. once you're on the yacht, you might not be so stoked when you get there. Right. Totally. You know, if you just, we not lot when we talk about success. When you say this person's successful, the what do you first think of? You think about money. But is this person successful just because they have money or have been successful in their career? Not if they had to sell their soul to get there, or they lost their relationships, or their health isn't good, or they only know that one thing, or they can't carry on a conversation. You know, there's so much more to being a human. I loved your introduction. I know you and I are on the same page. You said um, something about master over mind body. And spirit, I think is how you said that. And that's it, you know, having having mastery over ourselves and growing every day in our in ourself, spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, and of course financially is good too, but only in its place, like everything equal and we move forward as a whole person that way. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And so for you doing this life coaching and kind of guiding these principles, I'd love for you to speak about them in the book. Was there a moment where you decided that you needed to take all of these principles that you've learned and put them in a book and then the book went out and it's become very successful, which is great. And so I'd love for you to just talk about the inspiration for the book and then just, um, yeah, getting into the principles and how we apply them. Uh, that, you know, I never set out to write a book. I never thought that would be something I'd do for Seriously, for decades, I've been teaching and speaking in places and classes and groups and workshops and all kinds of things like that. And frequently, I'd have people say things like, oh, I could listen to you all day, or would you, you should write a book. I am not going to write a book. I, that's not me. I'm a speaker. If I can't say it, I can't do it. <laughs> that's all I can do is talk. But then, you know, um, life has a way of the universe, God, however you want to put it. There's, there's some things you're just destined to do. And I did a workshop at the beginning of 2020 and February of 2020, remember what happened in 2020? <laughs> it's a bad year. Um, and there was, some, this is before the whole COVID thing really came to a head. And there was a couple there and they had taken the workshop and they, they had said, and these are people well, very well respected in our community. I knew, 
I knew of them, you know, I've known of them for a long time. They just haven't taken the workshop. And they said, you should write a book. And I went home and told my husband, he said, really, Sherry, it's time to write a book. We didn't know COVID was going to happen yet. And I was like, well, I guess I could just write what I say, <laughs> what I speak, teach those same principles and it should work. And it did more or less. Um, and the book was meant to be in a way it float, flowed out of me most of the time. There were times I was driven to my knees. I needed some help. But most of the time, it just like flowed out of me. I didn't even, I'm almost embarrassed that it didn't take me more hours to write it. I wrote it in about uh, five or six months and we traveled still through 2020. So I was gone a lot. So I wasn't always working on it. And uh, I did do a couple of retreats to really spend some thinking, serious thinking time. But it really came together really quite quickly. And I don't know, I felt like it almost came through me than from me, which a lot of people say, but that's, that's is how it felt. And I was, I felt like I was, and I'm not getting any younger either, man. I don't know. <laughs> and I, you know, I don't want to die with all this stuff in my head and, and not get it out. I do still work with clients, but I can only work with so many. And, and so anyway, it feels like a good, I said, all the things I know are out there. People say, am I going to write another one? I'm like, no, <laughs> but everything I know in that one, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, it seems like it is a lifetime of work that you were able to summarize concisely. And I feel like the, the more you master a subject, the more you're capable of summarizing it and finding those important points and, and building that path. And just viewing these chapters, it makes me excited to go through it because you talk about things like happiness and expanding your why. So mm -hmm. maybe that's just a simple one to start with. You know, how do how does a person find their why to begin with? If they have no idea what's going on, you know, they're yeah, we'll start with that. that's a good question. And that's what that's where I start. You know, I would say this about the, the time it took me to write it. Ken would say, I said, it didn't take me very long to write. They said, no, it took you 40 years to write it. It just took you six months to put it on paper. You know, so that was the difference. But yeah, um, you're finding your why. You, you know, personal progression is a lot of daily work every day. You know, you, you, it's the everyday habits that, that make you grow and develop and get you towards your goals and who you want to be. And so sometimes in the grind of things, it can feel like, why am I doing all this stuff? You have to have a strong enough why to keep propelling yourself forward. Fundamentally, we all want to be happy. I mean, that's something everybody wants is to be happy. That's a universal desire. I mean, I think we can all agree that unless you're abnormal, some reason, we all are looking to be happy. What gets us there is the question. But what gets us there is when we progress. I had a hard time convincing that uh, people that for a while, sometimes. I mean, they'd look at me like, is that really what makes people happy? That when I say, when you are stuck, how does that feel? Oh, I'm unhappy. When you are backsliding, how does that feel? Unhappy. So the opposite is true. We all have this divine, huge potential that we'll never see in this life. Fortunately, the happiness comes in the journey. So if you want to be happier, just start with one step forward and the happiness comes. You'll see. You, you prove it to yourself. Make a couple steps forward and you'll see you feel better and take a few more. You'll feel even better. You start down a path of, of self-mastery, personal development, and you're happier. That's where happiness comes from. It, into Somewhere inside us, we know that there's more. I think everybody would agree with that too. There's more inside there. I just don't know how to get it out. So trying to find out what's inside us, our potential, our gifts, growing, developing, loving, becoming better people. That's where happiness comes from. So that's one big why. I do have some other little um, tools in there to find a why, like a big dreams list. There's great big things to do in this world. I want to climb that mountain, explore that river, learn that how to play that instrument, learn a language. There's so many things that we could do and we'd like to do, but they seem far away. But so making a list of those things 
is a good, so you got something to kind of fun to look forward to and work towards. Having a personal mission statement is another good way. And I talk about that in the book. So you've got this thing you're going to do in this life, a mission, things you want to accomplish, the way you want to change the world, that, but you've got to change you first. So that is a good um, why motivator. And then having a personal constitution or governing values. This is who I am. I'm a person who is is honest and who is what and, and loving and kind and I want to be this person and makes a difference in the world. A personal constitution like that also can give you a, a support your why. So having a, a complex why is good too. But the simple why is because you're just happier. And anyway, people like you better <laughs> when you're working on yourself because you're happier. Everything just goes better. Well I love that. Yeah, I love that. And one of the ideas that you shared there reminded me of one of the tools that I like to take my clients through is just creating a bucket list. You know, what is, yeah, that, think no. about think about all the amazing things that you would do um, if you could do anything. And they well, most people don't have a bucket list. And it doesn't mean that you have to do all of them. You might do zero. However, when you write them all down, you'll realize a lot of them are tangible. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're doable and you can put that on your calendar. And when you go do that thing and achieve that thing, it gives you a lot of energy. It gives you a lot of motivation. It gives you a lot of excitement. It gives you a lot of passion. It gives you a lot of vitality. Right. And I feel like that's important. I remember going through a training a long time ago with a guy named Cord Love, who's a, a bit of a wild man. And he's got these crazy videos out there, but he just talked about how, um, you know, he's like, if you look at someone who's running their nine to five job, he's like, just look at their energy levels. He's like, often for fun, they're going to go to the pub with their buddies, right? And they're going to drink a few beers and the energy energy levels like, you know, there. But if you look at a lot of people who are CEOs and very successful entrepreneurs, what they're doing for fun has a lot more energy. It might be cat skiing or, or heliboarding. It might be whitewater rafting. The that ener- So his point was the energy that you get from that life experience can translate and you can bring that energy into your business, into your creativity, into your vitality. Do you think that's an accurate statement? Would you? Oh, yeah, I think I think there's a couple, several things in that. It's totally true. Uh, for one thing, the person who's become a CEO has learned learned a few things. And going to the pub, it, uh, they it, they progress past that. That's no longer that no longer is got enough meaning to it. They want to do something more, more with more adrenaline or more excitement or makes a difference or bigger things. I I said I we create a big dreams list, same as you. The first thing I do is have my clients do a big dreams list. It's a bucket list. I call it a big dreams list because it can also include things to learn, you know, like, so just a little bit, I think a little broader definition, but it helps people. They, you, if you write it down, you are going to be more likely to do it. Then you won't have a zero. Nobody's going to have a zero. If they write it down, they'll just be drawn to it. So something the power about writing it down. But also I start there, even though it's not the most important work they do with people, because we start with a big dreams list and it opens up their mind to possibilities. Like all of the things that are out there and th- it gets them to think bigger and to think grander and think, yeah, there's big things out there. Like, you know, coming home watching TV every night is not, not going to fulfill the, what I really want, where my, my heart's longing. And so then we start thinking bigger. So it gets us off on a good step. But it's also really valuable. I hope I ask them to have 50 when they come to see me. Nobody ever does. But I just challenge people to have at least 50 to start with and to get into the hundreds of things they want to do just listen specifically and start marching down that list and like you say a lot of them are very attainable sometimes people say well yeah, i can do that next week well yeah go do that then <laughs> right what, what's stopping you just don't go watch tv next week and say go do that thing and some are big things you know um i've got my list is actually updated on the um 
I should update it again, actually, but on our website, because I want people to see the possibilities. And I think mine's pretty good. <laughs> I've got a lot of things done. Yeah, well, I love that. And you're correct in the um, in stating that it's so important to see the possibility. Most people don't see the possibility, and that's the mm -hmm. challenge. They they somehow have blinders on from either life experience or past memories or limitations where they can't see the possibility. And it's incredible what we're capable of over a long period of time. I like to quote something along the lines is most people overestimate what they can do in a year and us underestimate what they can do in 10 years. And, you know, when we can align our vision and our values and our mission, and as you put it, our personal constitution and who we are with our life's work, with our vocation, we're going to be moving towards meaning. And it's not so much about the result. You know, it's like, oh, well, once I get this result, then I'll be happy. And as you've already stated, it's a little bit of progression in that way is going to create more happiness. It's going to create more fulfillment. It's going to create more motivation or discipline to continue on that path. Because it's the one that you designed that lights you up, that's full of inspiration by your own design. It's not being created or given to you from an outside source, which I think is really key. And in mm -hmm. your book, you talk about um, a lot of different things I'd love to get into. And the one I want to skip to in the book is life mastery and character, because I feel like that's so important. And so when you speak about character and trying to develop that in the life mastery sense, uh, can you share a little bit about that. It's so probably the yeah, I, worst word, yeah. word of question ever on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I'm glad that you actually asked yeah. me that because that's what I feel. I have a very tender spot for that particular um, chapter because for a long time, and I've got an assessment too, it's also on the website uh, that I would work with people and it's seven areas and it was seven areas for 10 years. I did seven areas of life minus the character one, but I have clients come in and they want to, they have trouble getting places on time, for example. I think, okay, we could put that one in, you know, and I try to find a place to put that one. Or, um, you know, I could be a little more honest in my speech or whatever it is. I think, okay, let's try to find. And then I said, when I was writing the book, I was just, just starting the book. And I was working with a client. And I don't remember how it came up. I know somehow he inspired me on that. Something he said or did. And I said, you know what? I need, we need to add character to this. I need one more. So I rewrote the assessment and I was just beginning the book, so I was able to put character in there. But it may be the most important chapter because if you, we said earlier, if you go after any dream and you sell out your character, then what have you? If I want something so bad that I might be able to, I might be willing to cut a corner or two in my integrity or cheat somewhere a little bit along the line or not be a person, totally a person of my word, well, then what do I have? If I'm not completely honest and show integrity and character in my relationships, how deep can they go? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we can build that character as well as, as looking at, you know, mentors. And I feel like that's something uh, I'm passionate about as a coach and, and where I learned this through martial arts, where you have your parents as an influence, and then you also have uh, your teachers and then your sport. And a lot of time you're looking at the character of individuals that inspire you that you want to become. And so even just looking at these characters in history that you enjoyed, like, what is it that I liked about that person? Oh, they achieved this. Well, how did they do it? Oh, they did it through, you know, discipline and hard work and clarity of mind and what kind of practices they had. It reminds me a little bit of neuro-linguistic programming, right? So I'm looking at excellence. Ah, I want to be Michael Jordan. Well, neuro, how did he think? 
lang, uh, linguistic. What did he say? What did he speak about basketball and programming? What were his habits? And so then we can model those things and we kind of create the person that we want to be. And it has to be through character, right? It has yeah. to be through all of those different things. And the other side of that too, is that, you know, if you're of strong moral character and your life is in alignment with your uh, family and all these other areas of life that are so important. And in the book, you talk about health. So I'm sure health is in there. Your body is vibrant and you feel good. Um, it's going to be less important that trophy that you want in the sports analogy or the championship, because you could be whole, happy and harmonious in the process, in the pursuit of your growth. Because if you get that achievement, whether it's business, oh, I've got the money amount that I wanted. I got the house I wanted. I got the trophy I wanted. Well, life happens the whole way and it's going to happen after. And even if you ding every single trophy, right, then you're going to get older. Then there's going to be another stage of your life. And if you look back and you're like, oh, I got all those trophies, but you know what? I went through two marriages. My kids hate me and all this other stuff. Then you're like, was that really worth it? And as you go through that process, it might not have been. And so it's just being uh, very clear about who you are. So I love that you have that chapter in there. It's not even just like you may be sold too much. The other thing might happen is you might tick all the boxes and say that now what? Now I don't know what to do. Because the real thing, you're not the real trophy is who you are becoming, right? We have heard it said on my own masterpiece. This masterpiece that we're creating, this canvas that we are, who we are is what's really happening. It's not a, it's not a box to tick. It's how good can I be? as a whole person. So it's not about what I achieve really. Those, those are, are, are stepping stones to being better. I like what Jim Rohn said about making a million dollars, not because of the money, although that's fine, but because what it will make of you, right? Win that sports trophy, not for the trophy, because, but because what it will make of you in the process of getting it, all the things you want to do. But if you sell it your character, then th what does the trophy mean, right? It doesn't mean anything. It's, it's kind of worthless. I um, think about the character too. And I think I might've said this in the book, but I can't remember. <laughs> I say a lot of things. I think it was in the book, but maybe not, but we're really drawn to strength. People's strength, spiritual strength, physical strength. I tell a story about one of my trainers and how we were just in awe of her physical strength in a real way, not in a, in a Baywatch way, but in a way and, and how we just couldn't take her when she was doing push-ups. It was just, it's kind of strength in there, but um any area where people are strong, we admire it. But I don't think we admire anything more than a person of character. And we don't have a lot of those. And it's harder. You think, oh, well, I'm an honest person. Well, is every single thing you say is exactly as it is? It's harder to be a person. Do you always show up on time? Do you always show up? Do you, do you work hard to say the right thing and put other people first? This development of character is hard. <laughs> it takes a lot of um, looking at yourself in the mirror and being really honest with yourself and saying, um, maybe I'm not all that I think I am, maybe there's some work still to be done here, which is true of every area, right? There's always something to be done in all eight areas. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you brought up uh, that Jim Rohn quote, because I didn't know who said it, but I was reminded of that quote. It's the person you become on the path of becoming a millionaire. Yeah. And I've said this before too, one of my very, very successful friends, one of the richest guy I know is worth all the millions of dollars in multiple ways. And he said, you could take everything from me tomorrow. Uh, but I, I could build it again because he learned what it took or what it takes to be a millionaire, to be successful, to give value, to build a business. He has all those tools now. Nobody can take it from him. They can take his bank account, but he can just build it up again. So he's developed yeah. that character. 
and in your book, you, you go through, you know, physical mastery, which is, I think is important and relationships, which is also important. Um, but for the sake of time, I want to dive into your view on spiritual self and spiritual mastery. And then maybe we'll go into some of the other ones, but in your view, what does that entail? How do we create a spiritual connection and how do we find mastery with that connection? Uh, I'm glad you asked about that one because that's my other favorite chapter. Those are my, they were the, I, uh, see, there was the second one and the eighth one that I wrote. I really um, loved the chapter that I wrote on spirituality. I just loved writing it. Um, we are, you know, it's an old saying, you know, we're not physical beings having spiritual experiences, but spiritual beings having physical experiences. I think it's so true. I think most of us can agree that we have existed long before we got a brain and a body. We've always existed. It's kind of somehow getting in touch with that, uh, that inner self. Um, it's really important to our peace and well-being. And I think that eventually, as we move forward, even if you, if a person may be listening to this podcast, like, I don't know about spiritualities for me, but in my experience, as people start moving forward, they start to lean into the spirituality a little bit more. I had clients, I remember one in particular, but I've had more than one, who, when they started, I had a fitness business for nine years. And in that, it was intense. And we were really hands-on and offered other options for personal development besides the fitness was super good program. Um, other than the money, <laughs> the rest of it was super, super good. But um, I had a few clients there would say, uh, yeah, the spiritual part's not for me. I just want to, you know, because I would, we would talk in openly in the gym about the different areas of life because I had a personal development part too. So we had fit mania fitness and fit life was the personal development. So it kind of mingled. And you had a couple of them say, um, well, I'm just not spiritual. It's not for me. But a little while down the road, they got the body under control, a couple other things. And they're like, hey, let's talk about spirituality. Where can I start? I just want to do something. I had a, uh, my sister-in-law is a great person. I think I tell this story in the book uh, but about atheists. But towards the end of her life, she got a weird disease and died real quickly. But not very long before that, she was saying, what can I read that's maybe not non-denominational, but that would give me some spirituality. So I think eventually as people progress, we're all going to live, we're all going to start leaning into that spiritual aspect. We'll start to feel that longing. You see it a lot. A lot of older people will start to lean into spiritualizing as they get older because you start to see there's got to be more to this life than just the physical self and what I can see. And of yeah. course there is. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And if you look at people who've studied uh, people who are ready to cross over and they do a lot of interviews and they talk about regrets in life and things like that, almost everybody talks about some sort of spiritual experience, whether they're like having a connection with God or they're seeking a connection with God. Or um, often too, I've heard that people who are terminal will have this great sense of peace. I'm sure it's not hundred percent of the time, um, but I know personal stories where people were very afraid of passing over and then having this great deep sense of peace before they crossed over. So I think it's an important thing to consider your own mortality. They talk about that in stoicism. They talk about it in Buddhism, you know, live your life as if you know, you're going to die tomorrow or you got 24 mm -hmm. hours because we're not guaranteed this and we don't want to waste it as uh, much as we can because we can get very sidetracked with many different avenues and distractions. And, and most importantly, the ones that are driving us towards fear and self-doubt yeah. and um, all these things that are not very helpful for living a fulfilling life. So maybe you could talk on that a little bit of how does a, a person overcome that aspect of this unworthiness, you know, like they're, they're kind of lost. They feel unworthy. There's imposter syndrome or fear. And that's what the external world 
is really pounding us with a, a lot of the time, whether it's political or it's financial or it's, you know, all the theater of the last couple of years with COVID and everything else going on. Now your focus is out there and not in your inner world. And it's more, you're like, oh, now this external world is more dangerous. It's more challenging than it was if you're kind of looking at things. And I'm of the mind that you should be aware of what's going on out there. So you're not blindsided, but not consumed by it. And that can be very challenging, you know, that balance of what you take into your life so you can make good decisions and be aware of reality as it is, but not let it consume you and then move towards creation so you can navigate potential challenges. Yeah, several things in what you said, I think are super valuable. One thing about the fear, um, you will notice that people who are uh, have a sense of spirituality, whatever, however that works for them, but that really sense that, well, first of all, let me start. This is a great quote I like by uh, one wise man. He said, we're like goldfish in a bowl, mindless goopits in the pellets. And we are really living in a fishbowl in this giant planet. We think we know what's happening around us. We think we understand what this is around us, but you stop and think, I mean, really, what is going on? In the, you can take the smallest little piece of earth and find a whole planet worth of stuff in there. You know, I mean, the, this is so complicated and there's so much out there. And we think our little fishbowl is what life is about. But I, um, what I've observed and just, as, I mean, you know, I could, you might get some feedback, feedback on this one, but I think it's true that people who have some sense of spirituality, some sense that the world is bigger than themselves and their little fishbowl, knowing that there's more out there, however little we might know about it, and some contact with that source. And however you determine, you know, we'll call it God or we can call it being or however, whatever that, that force out there, some sense of spirituality, those people experience less fear, whether it's in combat or it's in COVID or it's just out on the streets. You're not finding people of who have great faith and, and sincere. I don't mean just some blind faith, but real have sincerely sought spirituality being fearful people. You're not going to see Eckhart Tolle wondering if he's going to worrying about going out on the streets if he's going to die, <laughs> or you know, worrying if COVID's going to kill him. But people like who really and I, that was an, you know a really extreme example. But I think it's you don't have more to believe in. The world is a scary place, but when yeah, you see I, it's bigger and there's a bigger and there's somebody's in charge, but not me. I don't have to be in charge because somebody else is there. There's a lot of peace in that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, going beyond yourself and your own internal motivations, thinking from the concept that I'm here to give something back, I'm here to uh, be a part of creation. And what can I do to help? What can I do to, to support this thing? And I remember from a very young age, I was thought, okay, well, I'm fine. I have nothing to worry about. Uh, if something's going to happen, it's going to be out of my control. That's like, you know, God is going to do it to me. And, and, you know, they're like, oh, be scared of germs be scared. I was never worried about any of those things. You know, it's like that part is kind of not up to me. And I've had many near death experiences, you know, five or six or something stupid. And so I am certain that I'm here until God wants me to basically not be here. Otherwise I yeah. take my own life, which I'm not planning on doing and I won't do. Um, you know, I'm going to be taken out when I'm supposed to be taken out because otherwise I already would have. And I know of so many stories and some personal experiences where people left this planet uh, very unexpected, right? There is no rhyme or reason for it. So in the olden days, they used to say, I'll see you then God willing or something because it was more common for people to pass earlier. Mm -hmm. So it's important to recognize that 
if we can have that spiritual connection to something greater, like I like the idea that I was created by something, because if you go to the atheist understanding, it's like, well, there is nothing and it's all meaningless. But if there is a big divine creator or God and I was created, then I'm here on purpose. And that to me is much more empowering than it's all random. I don't matter. You don't matter. What I do doesn't matter. And you can see the actions and the lifestyle of those who believe it versus the people who believe and something greater, believe they were here for some sort of purpose and have a desire to uh, benefit everybody of life. You know, I'm here as a part of this entire orchestration of life, and I would love to be a benefit. I want to work with this cohesively rather than be a parasite, to be something that creates chaos, you know, to be a, a quality representative of life itself. Yeah, no, I love it. It's, you know, the other, well, two things to think about that. First of all, I just want to say this about when you say you, when you believe in this, but you said you've had these experiences, this knowledge, when you spiritual knowledge, is like a lot of kinds of knowledge, like love or a lot of other things, it, real knowledge and real truth somehow comes from inside of us outward rather than from our, our external inward, if that makes sense. Um, inner peace. Like that's why we meditate for this inner peace and getting in contact with ourselves, right? We can understand truth from the inside this is where we really know truth is from the inside, from some source that is not just our, our intellect. We don't decide. It comes into us, if that makes any sense. And the other thing I like about spirituality is that we're with not only is somebody else in charge, but we can, if we learn how, and you've had the experience, I know you have, where you can pull a power into your life. I can be more powerful. I can pull a power into my life that I don't have on my own. It might be incremental, just a little bit, but I can be a little bit better. Like I, I'm a big prayer. <laughs> so I pray before my before I do the podcast with you because I want to be just a little bit better than I would be on my own. And I believe I pull a power and, and, and have, be a little better mother and wife and friend and everything. I want to be a better person every day. And I can pull that power into my life because I have a connection there. And it does make me more powerful. I love that. And before I record a podcast, I always uh, pray that, you know, may God speak through me, may spirit speak through me, something along those lines. And I totally agree. If you look at the Shaolin monks or the Buddhist monks, you know, the Shaolin monks are using the Tao, you know, the energy that's all around us to, to break bricks, to do these impossible physical feats. And if you speak to them around like the mindset and the psychology and the spirituality, where they believe in this force that permeates all things, all life, it is the life force. And so what is it exactly giving us life? Because when we go to sleep, we are not conscious of anything going on. And somehow we wake up again, something is keeping the body breathing, you know, something is is granting us consciousness to observe all of life itself, and then have this kind of driver's seat of what in the heck is going on. And only when you reflect on that and contemplate it. One of the meditation exercises I really like is like, okay, go into a state of meditation and then think about, you know, who is the observer, right? Who's the one with this internal chatter? Who's the watcher, right? And then you go, okay, then who's watching the watcher? And then you go back, oh gosh, like this rabbit hole. (laughs) Like, (laughs) What the heck is that? You know, what is happening? And then through meditation experiences, many people have listened to this show And if you haven't experienced this, I highly recommend just a little bit of meditation until you do. They've experienced when you have no mind, when you're just in the body breathing Mm -hmm. and there is no thought and it's it's clarity and the mind isn't bickering. And so then you think about, hmm, what is that thing that's bickering? 
what is that? Because it's not me. I am not my internal dialogue and I'm not my consciousness and I'm not even the observer. You know, I'm something more than that. I'm like everything and the observer and not the observer because the observer will stop sometimes. So it's very, very confusing. <laughs> and then it leads you to there is, we are in this great mystery. We are in, in, uh, I think in the Bible, it talks about um, being beyond the veil of like seeing it. And I feel like that's why it's a free will realm that you have to choose the kind of person you want to be through your actions. You're choosing what you want to support, what you stand for by your words, by your actions, by your deeds. And that's what's going to be measured. And there's another quote in the Bible that you reminded me of. It's like through, it's like through God, all things are possible. And in mm-hmm. Buddhism, they'd say something similar, but you can see all these similar ideas through religions and through these spiritual teachings that, you know, through this great force, this great power, I'm going to be a conduit of that and bring it forward. It's not just me. You know, I am so powerful that I am doing this It's very ego based. And I feel like that's only going to lead to destruction. And if, and if you think of the idea that, you know, there is this greater force, I want to connect to that, to use this power to be a conduit of good for all of life. Uh, to me, that's a much more powerful frame of reference to be operating from and will also bring more happiness. I like, you know, you said, yeah, I can, um, how'd you say it? You said, I said, I want to be a better person. I wanted, or I want to be more like this or that. You can't do that if you're not aware of what you're already thinking. And we mostly are not aware. We mostly live in, I know people would argue that we're conscious during the day, but we're mostly unconscious almost all the time as far as being aware of our thinking. But once you become, so that's a skill. That meditation thing is super powerful. It's a skill that gets us control of our, our, helps us see what we're thinking, be the watcher to see what we're thinking so we can think differently. But mostly we just think unconsciously and we let the brain take over. If we existed before and we're going to exist again, we didn't have our brain before and brain's not going with us. It's staying in the grave, right? So there's something more to us than this brain, but our brain, we're kind of worship the brain. <laughs> I don't know what we worship the intellect, which is good and super good tool. But to become aware of our thinking um, in meditation, which is not to listen to some nice thing on an app, it's to be really, uh, um, how did you put it? Um, aware of our thoughts and, and have the, feel the energy inside ourselves and the power inside ourselves. We have so much power. I was able to, I told you I was going to get too far off the track, but I'm going to tell you this one thing because somebody's going to roll their eyes, but I promise this is true. And I'm not, I'm really not a, um, a fanatic. I totally believe in medical science, but I had all of this pain after I left my business. And it was weird because I've been physically fit all my life. Well, all, well, mostly all my life. I had a couple, <laughs> I gained a little weight once a few times in there, but, but I've been active all my life and healthy all my life. And I had all this pain and I couldn't find out. I couldn't, all of a sudden I couldn't run across the street. It was just weird. And I, some of it I could find a source to, some of it I could not. I healed myself from that pain through meditation because once I became aware of what was I was thinking when I had the pain, you bring up the, to a conscious level and then you can let it go. And it was fairly instantaneous. I'd say, does that make sense? Have you done that? Anyway, oh, I can. Well, I, I 100% thought, I know could, what you're talking about. And I'm glad that you shared that story. I've heard of many people do something similar. And for me, when I learned about self-healing, when I would, I would get uh, headaches a lot and I would get strep throat twice a year. 
And then when it was, I learned, okay, I'm, when I feel this, I'm going to go meditate and, and see if I can make it go away. And so first time I tried it, it worked and I had, I didn't get sick for about 10 years. I have been um, getting sick here and there over the last couple of years, which has made me very curious. I can't understand why yet. And it's very odd where I'll like, I'll actually be, you know, ill for a few days and I can't meditate it away. However, I have done it for most of my life. So, and I know of other people who've done that Dr. Joe Dispenza's work, something similar. And the, and the idea yeah. of the power of prayer, is, I think is so important. And I'm glad you shared that story. We, we've heard lots of crazy stories on here, but it just shows again, <laughs> like this power that's beyond us is, is infinite. It can do anything. People all around the world have experienced miracles that they cannot explain. And if you have open ears and an open heart for it, I guarantee everybody knows a person who has had a miracle or they've had one in their own life where something unexplainable happened. And it happens all the time. And we don't know why or how or have a rhyme or reason. And the one thing in your story that I think is the key though, is like understanding the mental dialogue, understanding your thoughts and your feelings. I met a friend recently who I coached and um, we live in the same town now and we're friends. And he's just telling me like he's starting to get sick and he's run down and he's just stressed to the, to the moon. I'm like, well, probably because you're stressed out. And he agrees, you know, it's like, if you're stressed all the time, you're going to create disease within the body. Absolutely. And so yeah. becoming aware. There's, si Go ahead. there's science behind all that too. You know, there's actually really good science between people mentally to have stronger immune systems that stress and that being in that high frequency mode of the flight and fight thing, which we are living in a society like that, but that's causes disease and aging and all that kind of stuff. There's, there's enough science there. If you need a science to, to prove it. And you think Matt, if we can heal our body or, or eliminate pain from our body, if we're powerful enough to do that. If we could capture that power, what could we create? What else could we do? with using that same power if we knew how to do that what else can we do it's got that whole high percentage of our brain we don't use what if we could use it would be cool huh what all things we could create and do yeah a hundred percent and and with that i i like the distinction because i used to say that and and i've been kind of saying the same force of like you know the what could the creator or god do through us you know if we're getting that energy all the time and maybe we have to be worthy of it to create something beautiful and spectacular. And I feel like the more we know ourselves, what's most important to us, if we write it down and can communicate it and become the character we want to be, then that force comes through and creates it for us because it helps everybody else. You know, creator God wants you to create the things that are meant for you. You as a unique being, my preferences and dreams are not going to be anyone else's. And so when we can kind of connect to those two, it inspires other people to say, what is your unique expression here? Because when you know what that is and you express it fully, it automatically helps everybody else, whether it's through mirror neurons, as you spoke about earlier, you talked about um, the inner being, you know, when someone's peaceful, you know, when someone is, is strong and confident and all these things are not faking it, they're emanating it. And you can see the fakers. And yeah, it's pretty obvious because they haven't really embodied that. Um, do you want to comment on that? Um, yeah, you definitely can see the thing. Yeah, there is a, you know, when you, um, the only way, so I have a lot of, I've done a lot of podcasts. I've done maybe, I don't know, 110, 120 as a guest podcast. And frequently they'll ask me, well, do you have one last bit of, I'm going to jump to that, <laughs> to that last bit of wisdom. They said, you have one last bit of wisdom. This is the deal. You want to change the world and make the world better. And you're, you're doing the very thing that I'm talking about, but you, you, how do you do that? Well, you work on you. 
If your relationship is not what you want to be with your spouse or your kids, what do you do? You work on you. You change you. It's the only power that you have. You don't like society and the things that are happening in it. You work on you. Mahatma Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And that is the truth. You want the world to be better. You want to make a difference. I mean, go sign up for something. You know, certainly please don't go around and just complain. Go sign up for something if you want, if you really believe in something. But still, the work has to be here and sincere and, and very real. And so I didn't know what to say about the meditation. But I would, I would hope that uh, people don't dismiss the meditation too easy. Oh, I know what it was. You're talking about how it's a unique experience. And everybody's got their unique thing. I think one of the reasons it's hard to teach, one of two reasons it's hard to really teach meditation uh, really and reach people is because everybody kind of has to find that road themselves. They have to, it's a unique experience. I mean, you have to read and study and learn from other people, but you kind of have to find your own way. It's a very private and personal thing, much like prayer is. Um, and maybe that's the second half of prayer. So it is a very unique experience, but I hope your listeners are not discounting meditation in some kind of Eastern, which is not, by the way, it was not originally an Eastern um, art, but, but a real thing and useful for everybody. Maybe the other reason is people have to be ready for it. Yeah, I absolutely agree with all that. And I hope most of my listeners are open to meditation and they have at least tried it. I've even heard the example of just learning how to clear your mind and meditate, you know, for however long it takes for you to learn to become clear and aware of your mind and you don't need to meditate anymore. I've heard that idea or, or learning to bring it into all areas of your life, like walking meditation, just being aware. That's mm -hmm. all it is. In, in Zen, they teach you to have the same reverence for Zazen meditation and sweeping the floor. It's the same thing. Just put all of your attention into the thing that you're doing. Don't be sweeping the floor and thinking about all the different things you got to do. So you can bring this practice practice into all areas of your life and you're bringing concentration and awareness to the present moment, which is all that we have. And you also shared that simple tip of, of being the change you want to see in the world or improving yourself. And I've heard it before. And just now you saying it again, I feel like I had a deepening of understanding of that idea. And I've said it before. I just understand it more now. That is literally the only freaking thing you can do. <laughs> you yeah. can't do any like the you can't do any. That's true. You can't, you can't, you can't change another person. Nothing. You can't change. Nope. Nothing but change you. But it does have a ripple effect. Like you said, you can tell the bakers and the real people. You don't have to go around saying I meditate. Who cares? <laughs> but they will feel different around you if you're really sincerely interested in people and trying to make a difference in yourself, which includes to be improved person. You're being more involved in other people, right? People will feel that and they'll be drawn to it and it'll cause a ripple effect. You'll be able to change lives. It will ripple out to the other people, you know, as you change. I tell my clients, I don't work with a whole lot at, at any given time. I'm, I'm down a couple this week, but um, I kind of protect my, my lifestyle. So, but I will tell them, I don't work with that many people, but I expect you to go out and be different. So people will be drawn to what you've learned. So you'll be able to teach. You've got to go out. You've got to learn this really well. And you've got to go out and be that change so people will be drawn to you and you can make a difference. That's the only way I'm going to make a difference. My debt in the universe is if my clients live it, which they do and they will, and people are drawn to them. And then they learn, people learn from you. And then those people learn from those people. And we, we can change the world. You, me, Matt, Matt, the two of us, the people that are listening to your show, we can make a difference if we just, if we just sincerely work on ourselves which requires daily habits, which we didn't talk about, but, but you can read that about that in my book. 
<laughs> well, I do want to get daily habits is meditation. Yeah, I do want to. I do want to hear those daily habits because I had an intriguing intro for that. They said the habits that if practiced daily for an hour can propel you to do the top one percent of your field's earners. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to preface yeah. that by going on to a separate rant, so we'll have to get back to that. You know, when you're, when you're talking about being the example, it's so true. And and I don't think people see the scale of how embodiment can transform and affect thousands of people because you've got your family unit that will witness your transformation and your level of being an embodiment. You have your coworkers. You have everyone you ever come into contact with. You have all of your social settings. And so the interesting thing about spirituality and mindset and embodiment of your way of being or vibration or whatever you want to call it is not physical. So people can tend not to give it the importance or reverence it deserves. And so if you just imagine, it's the easiest example that I share all the time. Everyone is, you know, well over 300 pounds. Everybody has a terrible diet. They have no energy They're, you know, and it's just physical, you know, that's going to lead into grumpiness and all these other things because you, your body's not feeling hundred percent. You don't feel vital. Well, if you were just the person that got in shape, that exercise that showed other people in every scenario that, whoa, I didn't even know a body could look like that. Oh, that's just for one person. And then all of a sudden it's 10% of people. And then it's 15% of people, then it's 20% of people. So you take that and then everyone that is, you know, haven't, haven't mastered the physical body. Now they're starting to see that not only is it possible, other people are doing it. And then you do it. And then everyone around you is like, how did you do that? Now we take this to the spiritual, mental, emotional embodiment sense. You can't see it, but you can feel it and you know it and you know when someone transforms. And so it's it's learning to embody these principles that you learn along the way around compassion and kindness and happiness and joy in your own journey. So you'll have more intrinsic joy. You'll have more intrinsic compassion and patience. And people will see that and they'll say, hmm, that person is more peaceful. They're more happy. I wonder what has changed. And that to me is just as important as the, you know, the physical example, because that's what we're dealing with in this, in this world. It says in the Bible, we don't wrestle with uh, principalities in flesh and blood. We wrestle with spirits or something like that. And the more I get older and get into some weird stuff and meditation, it just seems to be a very spiritual game because it was mental at first when I learned like, how do people just become hypnotized kind of drones where they just go through life. They don't question anything and they just get a job and then they do that forever and they never figure out who they are. It always confused me. And then I learned about propaganda and how you can insert ideas and really effectively manipulate people to do certain things, whether it's one-on-one sales, whether it's direct hypnosis, whether it's mass persuasion, all of these things are very, very effective. Now at the final scale of that, it does seem like a spiritual influence that is taking you away from yourself and a connection with God into something else, into materialism, into selfishness, into ego, into competition. And that's a very low state of being. And so if we can come back to the the other side and learn how to embody that, you're going to increase your faith, your spiritual connection, your happiness, and all of the other traits that go along with it. Yeah, that's that was a mouthful. I mean, the only <laughs> thing I'd add to that is to, that that this physical and spiritual um, are connected for future for for progress. You know, 
our this body and the, the spirit but in the end it's all going to be spiritual isn't it in the end but no very well said matt i i couldn't agree more I appreciate that. Yeah. And I agree with the physical and spiritual. That's martial arts 101. And when you're, if you're struggling to have a spiritual connection, go get fit first. It's, it's body. Mm -hmm. They say in in martial arts, the body is the easiest thing to master. Then it's the mind. Although it's like the mind and body, they're everything's always working together. And then you master the body, you just make it do it. And then you're starting to master the mind because the mind is getting the body to show up to do the exercises. And then you create all of these mental capabilities you didn't have before and then that leads into the spiritual that next door that opens up and they all work together synergistically and beautifully and it's a scale so you have to start with the body you have to yeah absolutely when i had my i would i actually um so just another little bit about me i had six children (laughs) so i raised those kids and then i um and i started i taught them all these things i hope or most of them some things i've learned since but then i started a business a fitness fitness business and when I went into it, I felt like if you could, because, I mean, spirituality was important to me. I was, I, my, I think my attitude was, you know, get yourself in order spiritually so you can call upon the powers of heaven to help you with this physical thing. But it didn't take me very long at the gym to realize you know, when people start getting, that it started with the physical. It starts with the body, getting the body in shape. And then not only is that the best place to start to, and to learn habits, because you can measure, you can measure the things that you're changing, right? And so you can learn different skills and disciplines starting there. And then you want to see what else you can do. But for whatever reason, you're just, it's so right. It just starts with the body, mastering the body for whatever reason. But that is where you start. And once you do that, I had a client leave just, I mean, she'd been with me for a little while. She said, I'm going to try to go solo now, which she was totally capable of. And she said, I only have one question. What happens when I get where I'm really good at all these things? Where do I come to habits and some things like that? And I've got all these things done. Then what am I going to do? I said, oh, don't worry. The, the more you do, the more you'll want to do. It will just it will just grow. You'll, you start on this little narrow path that just opens up so wide. The more you can do, the more you do do, the more you'll want to do. You'll have so much, so many new goals and dreams. You won't even believe it. So, And that's how it is, right? You get the physical down. Then you're like, what else can I do? Okay, now what else can I do? Now what else can I do? 100%. Yeah, I, I don't I think you could meditate without without some sense of your body and, and some fitness in, in self. You don't have to wait till you're perfectly fit to meditate, of course, but um, I think you do need that body awareness to be able to do that. A hundred percent. And, and to go deeper, you can do it and you should, whatever stage you are, just do not neglect the, uh, the body. And if you want to meditate and you're out of shape, go for a walk and up a hill until you're exhausted and you will be in a steady meditation. Mark Devine, who wrote The Unbeatable Mind is a Navy SEAL, just talks about that. One of his best strategies for people to bring them into this state is I just exhaust them because in the state of exhaustion, you are not thinking. You are just trying to get to that next level. And, that, and that's what they um, – taught me in, in the Shaolin monks to push my body. So it was, so whenever they put me to a state of exhaustion, which was freaking always, I wasn't thinking about anything. I was just trying to survive, you know, at yeah. the very present moment to getting through it. But then, you know, I've heard some very interesting stories about the masters going by and like shooting energy. Uh, one of the guys tells a story of one of the guys, he said he was exhausted and he went down the line. He just did a little shrug with his shoulder. And then all of a sudden the student kind of popped up and he goes, he, he goes, I looked at the master he saw that I noticed what happened and then he just looked down and looked away and, and he, and he's like, I still don't know what happened, but it was very weird that I saw him do that. Then the student 
perk up like what the heck but the the level of training that these masters do it makes you wonder what is possible and then on the flip side i've learned about a lot of charlatans which do certain things however what is the level what are we capable of because the other example i give is as someone who can deadlift a thousand pounds, a human being should not be able to pick up 1000 freaking pounds. That is way too many pounds. But if you look at uh, now, there's many people who can do that. Uh, but how do they do it? It's over a lifetime of a process to get to something that is unbelievable. So what if you are integrating the mental, the spiritual, and the physical, what becomes possible? And I feel like that's why I was so interested in visiting the shallow monks. Cause to me, it was that integration. I hadn't seen any other set of people do that. You know, you got your yogis, but they're more sitting in meditation and doing some stretches uh, where the shallow monks were just a little bit more intense, and a little bit more aligned with my personality. And so just, you see them do these amazing things. So um, do you want to comment on that? Or I want to ask you about this. Just, right. yeah. You know, I would just say that, yes, the possibility, human possibility Remember all the, those things about the four-minute mile? Nobody could, you know, break the four-minute yes. mile. Now, every, yep. everyday athletes break the four-minute mile. We have so much potential. What limits us mostly is our mental, our thinking is what limits us. But we are infinite in potential. We'll not, in this life, tap into all of our potential. Now, we all got the potential to lift a 1,000 pounds. Maybe not, but we all have some kinds of potential that we can't even begin to tap out our, our potential, especially when we get the alignment of body and mind. Um, I mean, we can heal our pain. Uh, you know, I ask people sometimes when they're wondering about this healing your pain, I say, do you believe that people can create cancer by negative thinking? Everybody believes you can. Well, then why can't you believe that you could cure? Uh, don't just go cure cancer with your brain. Go to the doctor. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a, they, you know, why couldn't you, though? I think you could. I'm just not giving that advice. But I'm just saying, talking about possibilities and ideas. Why couldn't you do anything? Why couldn't you lift a thousand pounds if that's your thing? Or you're, you're right. People have done amazing things, just amazing things. Yeah, I totally agree. And I've had a lot of people on my podcast before that had cancer and have cured it through their own means that it became a possibility. You know, I do you, believe it's possible. Yeah, usually diet, a change in lifestyle. And even having Dr. Bear Lando on there was very well known for, he said, curing people. But he goes, I never use that word because you get in trouble. He's like, but really all I did is look at their lifestyle, take out all the toxicity, take out all the stress that I could, um, and then help them get back on track. And lo and behold, a lot of them had successful recoveries, right? You take you out- You got to change the way you're thinking though too. You got to get rid of those negative thoughts. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, negative thinking. Yeah. 100%. The stress, right? I think stress is the number one indicator for all disease across it's, the board. It is. So- We're not so you, meant to be in that, in that, um, that intense- fight or flight, um, sympathetic nervous system response all the time, which our society requires and something's got to give. Yeah. And well, but you can live in the society and not have it. You don't have to have it. And I guess that's again, where meditation comes in and some mindfulness. If you were to get cancer though, and want to cure it with your mind, if you didn't have any already some skills, mindfulness skills, it might take too long to learn. It's not, it might, it should be said here, Matt, I think you would agree that mindfulness and meditation is hard work. And it's not like, it's not like seeing visions and doing things. I mean, it's day to day, everyday practice, and it takes time. And one of the hardest things I've ever done, I think in my life, is harder to be mindful, I think, than it is to be physically fit. 
So if you were to get cancer, it'd be, you'd have to do the short course. You'd have to get on it pretty quick and be able to believe it, know it, understand it pretty quickly. And so I guess I'm just saying practice now. <laughs> then you're about to get cancer in the first place. Yeah, I I 100% agree. And it's interesting because as you were saying that I was reflecting on my own, quote unquote, mindful spiritual process. And it is just a constant effort and a constant practice that you commit to. That's it. And it it's not the bells and whistles of enlightenment, which I was drawn to, I thought, oh, well, I'm going to have a mind like the Buddha, or I'm going to, my consciousness is going to shift and I'll know maybe everything, you know, (laughs) I don't know. It just seemed very (laughs) glamorous, very sparkly. And it is not that it is boring. It is tedious. It is painful. It is repetitive. It is annoying. It is looking at parts of yourself you don't want to see. And it's doing that constantly. It's feeling the ick. And that's maybe one of the challenging parts I've seen when I'm coaching certain people or talking to people who I see repeatedly do things that harm other people and they don't want to take accountability. They don't want the ickiness of the feeling of the responsibility, right? Because, you know, you go and you hit someone with your car and you're like, Oh gosh, like you feel terrible. Oh shoot. You know? And you know, or if you did something worse, you broke someone's leg through and you'd be like, you would feel terrible or you go the opposite way, which some people do where they feel like nothing. Cause like, Oh, you're, you know, your fault, whatever you're losing. I'm not going to feel any of that in there. And so you, you kind of take, you have to take responsibility for everything you do in your life, which is a huge task. It's a very huge task to, to take that level of responsibility. And most people are not ready for that. So I appreciate that distinction. I'd also um, add, well, I just would like to add a caution in this because that is true, uh, all true. But one thing that I think that trips people up and I just like to give us tip or anybody's thinking about it not to judge your thoughts, to be able to be aware and look at them without judging them. I had a few things, some some thinking that I tried to get over. I tried to pray away. I tried to think away. I tried to discipline away. And through meditation, I've been able to get rid of them. It still comes up. There's some ways of thinking that come up. It was about a a relationship, but I I would bring up the the thoughts would come up again. I think, why, you know, why am I thinking this? I'm such, you know, I'm such a bad person. Why keep thinking these thoughts about this person? Now I, they can, when they come up, which is much more seldom, I can say, oh, that's that. That's what that is. And then I, it, it goes away. When you bring a thought up into consciousness, if you don't judge it and you can just sit with it for a minute, once it becomes conscious, you can let it go. You can't let it go when it's in the subconscious or non-conscious, as some people would say. In those levels, it's got to come up through the non-conscious, the conscious, into the conscious. And then you can take a real look at it, honestly, and then it can go. So, But if you beat yourself up over it, then it's not going to go. <laughs> it's going to stay. So I, I, that was a too long of an explanation, but just don't judge your thoughts. Just acknowledge them and notice them, but don't judge them, I'd say. Yep. I 100% agree. And I think it's an important distinction. And there's that classic one where you, you are not your thoughts, right? And so we- Yeah, you're not we, your thoughts. We get a thought and then we judge that thought that's come up. And it's just whether you're going to act on it. I get crazy thoughts all the time, you know? So as long as I don't act in them, right? It's like, oh, where the heck did that come from? Um, yeah. But then the judging yourself, you're, you know, then it's into self-loathing and lack of self-worth and all these different negative patterns that can arise from that one thing. So I think that's a great point to bring up for people. Totally makes it all worse, you know, just, and you're going to hate yeah. it all the way you're going to hate, you know, and, and there, and uh, you were talking about how hard it was and all that, but there are moments of joy and pleasure and it is satisfying too. So it does, it does have an upside. It's not all hard work. Uh, well, yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up too, because the experiences of oneness with God, which I was going for, I had during meditation, I had them, I've had, but, but it's not like I get it every day. 90% of the no. meditations are challenging. However, 
the glimpses you get make it all worth it. And the right. and the growing you get in your mindset and your capabilities make it all worth it. And you know there's something greater. There's no way you could convince me that there is no creator. It's not possible because I've experienced it directly multiple times. This isn't right. You know, yeah, we have a whole, whole conversation on that, huh? Yeah, because you go. Um, like, I'd I say this it, is the same thing about meditation, prayer, spiritual things, physical things like a workout, you can enjoy a pretty good workout most days. So you have some days that aren't so good, but spiritual things, it's like you said, you, you don't have that, that spiritual experience every time you meditate, but you don't know which time you're going to have it. So you, you do it day after day after day. And then one day you have the spiritual experience, right? And then you go back and that's great, but you don't know which day. So we don't do it every day. You don't, you're never ever going to get it. Prayer. You pray maybe day after day after day after day. And sometimes you have these really unique spiritual experiences, but you don't know which days are going to come. You can go to church week after week after week. And okay, it's nice. And then one day you have the spiritual experience. But if you don't go every day, every time, you don't know when it's, it comes when it's not bidden. And that's where spirit, where it is with spiritual things, I think. You have the practices. And then when in, in the universe's own good time, it, you have those spiritual experiences. But it's the daily or the weekly practices that puts you in a place where you're ready for it now. And then you'll go some more and then you'll have another one. I, I totally agree. It's the same as the physical, right? It, you, you don't just go to the gym once and you see anything. It's over time you get those results. So mm -hmm. it's just that it's challenging for people in the spiritual, mental, emotional space to wait because they want to see it. So just having yeah. a little bit of patience and a little understanding that, there will be benefit to it and you will notice it and to try to, and then you have to do this other thing where you have to try to do it without attachment. And what the heck does that? It's very frustrating, you know? So I get it. <laughs> I, um, yeah. Well, I've only got a few minutes left, but I got to ask you about these habits. Tell us about the habits before I got to go. So what are these most important habits that you've learned through your experiences in your coaching that can help us improve our lives? Uh, that's my big jam in coaching is helping people develop daily habits and they pick their own, but everyone's going to choose. They'll have a few additional ones, but we all need to do something mental, physical, spiritual every day. Some habits that feed our, our mind, feed our body, feed our soul um, every day. But it's the daily, um, do, you know, I teach tracking. You track your habits. I, I provide a tracking sheet to my clients. I give them away on my website, every website I've ever had for every business I've ever had. I've given away so you can get those at lifemasteryinfo.com. They're a tracking sheet where you list your habits here down the side. It's like a calendar. And then you and then the days of the, the month are across the top and you just check them off as you do them. And so they're going to be things like uh, you pick your own, but pick something spiritual. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's meditation, a workout. Uh, maybe it's the way you eat. Maybe you want to drink more water, reading. So what, at least minimally should be something educational, a physical activity and something spiritual. That's the, at least three things like that. And then you can add the other things. I've had people add, I start with, you know, besides something in those three, flossing their teeth or drinking more water or saying something nice to somebody every day, things like that. But I'm a big believer. It's the habits that you develop every day. And I've been doing this for 40 years. And I would say that everything that I, if I have one practice that has created success outside of drawing on the spiritual uh, uh, support is the daily habits. You just, if you work out every day and once you do it, you get on there, you're going to work out every day, five days a week, I'm going to work out, you get on, you're going to do it. Now it's taken care of. You can think about other things. You just make that part of your planning every day, check it off your track, your, your tracking sheet um, and just, 
And you're going to get there, right? If I read every day for 30 minutes in my field, well, I'm going to be an expert in my field before you know it, more than everybody else, more than my competitors, because I do this every day. If I meditate every day, I'm going to have a spiritual edge. I'm going to be developing myself spiritually. It's just going to happen. So it's about the habits. If I can choose a topic to speak on um, when I'm doing a speaking, if I can pick the topic, I almost always speak about why habits are more important or systems are more important than goals because it's a system. It's the system. This is one of two systems I teach um, that gets you where you want to go. People have these great goals, but they don't have a system and then they forget about them. New Year's resolutions. They're, they're sincere. I believe they're sincere, but they forget it. But if you use a tracking sheet every day, you won't forget. You won't forget what you're doing. You have a system, you check it off. And it's a really great source of accountability. It may not sound like much, but Peter Drucker said, what gets measured gets managed. Simple little practice, simple little tracking sheet makes a world of difference. I absolutely agree with that. And that there is absolutely pure gold for everybody because I know in my own life that the habits that I choose create my outcomes and also how I lack in certain consistency in areas. And so if I make that commitment, um, it has big changes. And one of them, I had Daniel Krenzel on, he had this God walk app and I went through and I downloaded the app and I went through the God walks and I was like, man, I had just had this epiphany of simplicity where there were so many times in my life where I meditated. I went probably a year of meditating an hour a day about like that. And I used to go, you know, kind of make it more sporadic. However, the relationship with God, I feel like, well, I'm now carving out time in my day that I'm going to have this experience with God. And I meditated a lot, but this was kind of combining meditation and prayer. And I made it a priority. And then I was tracking it. And then I was off for a a week or so, but then I could notice that through the tracking. It's the same with my physical fitness. When I'm going all of the time and it's just on autopilot, I'm incredibly strong. I gave my buddy a hug the other day and he goes, holy crap, you're thick. And it's funny, you know, it's not as it's not as um, conducive for snowboarding, which I'm doing these days. So I'm trying to kind of lighten up that little bit of extra beef I put on being in Ontario, now getting back into the mountains. But it was a result over time, about a year of going to the gym all the time. And then 25 pounds of muscle happened over a year of, you know, that's the thing I was committing to. And so that simplicity of your body and the spiritual connection are so important. And that's going to lead to the other things where maybe you have this vocation or this business idea that will arise that little bit over time, just a little bit every day, not eight hours on the weekend is bit by bit is the most powerful way to achieve any goal rather than trying to cram, um, you know, and stuff it in before you have to do other things that are more important. Successful so, people, cool. you read any successful person's life, they have um, any CEO, anybody who you would really admire, they have a morning routine of personal habits that they do every day. They just, that's just how it is. If you want to be successful, you have a daily routine of personal habits and they are a priority. That's what we call personal development, right? That is personal development. They, you, uh, you make it a priority and nobody comes before your personal development because you're, if we're doing the best we can, we're defeating ours, taking care of us, we can take care of other people. We're going to be better for everybody. And I learned, I told you about how I had six kids. That's a lot of laundry, a lot of ball games, a lot of dance <laughs> lessons, a lot of costumes, a lot of meals to cook. And um, so sometimes I would feel like oh, I'm overwhelmed. I don't have time to work out today. Maybe I might think that I always worked out, but maybe let's not say workout. Maybe it's something else I was doing. Okay, I don't have time for that today. Or we have to do it short. You know what? Anytime I gave up my personal development habits, 
to get more done. I didn't ever get any more done. Hmm. You don't get less done when you put you first, even though it seems counterintuitive because you're um, taking time to do that. You take your one hour or your two hours a day. It's a good two hours for me nowadays, a little more than that, actually. Even though I'm doing that and taking that much out of my day, I'm so much more effective the rest of the day. And at the end of the day, you're never sorry. You know, like, I wish I would have worked out. I wish I would have prayed. I wish I would have meditated. Uh, the laundry you can do tomorrow or the phone calls you can do tomorrow or uh, so you clean the garage tomorrow, but you can, you can't do to, tomorrow today's prayer or today, tomorrow to, today's workout. Cause that has their own workout. Right. So if I put me first, I do my own habits every day and any successful person does this. I know you do it, man. I'm sure you do. You have a routine of things that you do and they come before all else, everybody else and everything else. Another Jim Rohn quote I like is you take care of you for me and I'll take care of me for you. It's that kind of thing. We're better for everybody if we take good care of us and make sure that we're working on our personal canvas, being all that we can be. Beautiful. Well, I can't takes habits every day. Well, I can't think of a better closing statement. I've very much enjoyed this show. I wish we could go longer. So maybe we'll have to get you on again one day, but thank you for yes. the work and writing the book and everything that you do. Where can people find you if they want to get the book? I know you're hoping that it goes to a New York Times bestselling list. So I will send prayers and well wishes your ways because that would be an incredible accomplishment. And I've really enjoyed the show. So where can people go to find out more about you and your work and stay connected? Well, we have a website, of course. It's um, lifemasteryinfo.com because Life Mastery was taken. So lifemasteryinfo.com. Um, and then I'm Sherry, S-H-E-R-R-Y at Life Mastery Info. And I... If you email me, I return all emails. I always do that and do that personally. And then, of course, I'm, on, I'm only on Facebook and maybe Instagram. I've got somebody does uh, some of that for me. And I think we've got an Instagram problem. But at any rate, I am on Facebook. You can find me there. And then the book is on Amazon, of course. And it's also on Audible. I have a deep and sultry voice. <laughs> I think it's sultry. It sounds like a smoker's voice. I read the book myself. I was determined that I would read it myself. And I think I did a pretty good job. So that book is on Audible. You can get that on Audible. So Life Mastery is on Audible. There's also a workbook that I use for with my clients that I went ahead and plopped that up on Amazon as well. So you can get a workbook that has worksheets, um, the tracking sheets and a place for daily written affirmations and some other tools in that. And that's also available on Amazon. Life Mastery Workbook. So Amazing. anyway, it's hard to miss me. You just Google it. <laughs> Google it. All these, all these interviews and, It'll come up. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate this. And uh, I just invite the listeners to check out your work and website and some of those downloads I'm interested in as well. So thanks so much for coming on the show. And uh, yeah. Thanks, Matt. Great interview. Good conversation. I appreciate it. Well, thanks everybody for watching. We'll check you in the next one. Peace. Thank you. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely phenomenal Sherry Fernandez. I hope that you enjoyed that episode, that you got some value from it, that you'll take some action and maybe create a big dreams list, that you'll ponder some of the things that we discussed and see how you can implement it in your own life. If you want to support the show, please share the episode. Consider becoming a member at mattbelair.com. You can do so for free or by donation. Even uh, a buck goes a long way. Thank you to all my patrons. It's kind of funny because people will say, hey, I wish I could donate more a dollar or two bucks is sometimes the absolute best contribution ever because if everybody did that then i would be 
doing just fine. So uh, thank you guys so much for your support. I appreciate you. Thank you for everyone who has become a patron and a member. Thank you for everyone who's taken a moment to leave a review in iTunes. You got us all the way to number four in Italy, of all places. We're creeping up in Costa Rica. So it's interesting to see how the show is getting out there. And it really does require your shares and your contributions. So I really appreciate you guys. Um, that's it. Let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we close this show. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with joy, peace, contentment, courage, faith, power, and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.